0: the prison population in Pennsylvania has risen by 600% while violent crime has stayed put or gone down. Politicians, prosecutors, and police have targeted low-income communities of color, stopping, harassing, and arresting our neighbors and leaving whole generations with criminal records. Enough is enough. Decarcerate PA is a coalition of individuals and organizations working to put an end to the damaging system we call mass incarceration, and our three-point platform outlines how we aim to get there. First, we say, no new prison. That means canceling the $450 million construction of Greaterford and passing a moratorium against future prison projects. New prisons waste our resources and help cause the future they claim to prepare for. The 19 new prisons built in the last 33 years haven't made us safer, they've just allowed us to continue in the wrong direction. Second, we call for decarceration itself. That means reversing the policies of mass incarceration and reducing the prison population. We can't stop building prisons and keep the failed laws and policies that filled them to begin with. Mandatory minimums must go. Everyone should be eligible for parole. People with substance abuse problems should get treatment, not jail time. Mass incarceration is a product of bad laws, and we need to change them. Finally, we understand that the real problems in our communities can't be ignored. That's why the third point of our platform calls for community reinvestment. We want the money being wasted on prisons to be reinvested in schools, health care, social services, job training classes, and addiction treatment programs. These are the things that actually make our communities safer, and it's time we made them our priority. Our platform is a plan, but our strength is in the thousands of people all across the state and country who are standing up against a broken, oppressive system. Join us every Saturday from noon to one to hear how they're working to create a world without prisoners. And welcome to 88.1 FM WPEB Philadelphia. This is Decarcerate Radio. We're here every Saturday from noon to one. We've got some great guests here for you today. I'm going to allow the folks who have come to the studio to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what PSU is. Devin,
1: My name is Devin Fisher from Philadelphia Student Union.
2: Um, my name is Kelly Ross. I'm with PSU.
0: And what is the Philadelphia Student Union? I mean, we are I think many people would be familiar with Uh, student government or something at their schools, but the student unions is a little bit different, to say the least. Can you all tell a little bit about what PSU is?
2: Well, PSU is an organization that's kind of city-wide, so it takes students from all over the city, Mm -hmm. and, like, it brings them together in order to, like, fight for student rights in the district because the district is doing a pretty bad job of, like, putting students first. So with PSU, we have plenty of, um, of campaigns for basically anything that st- public schools need. And it's,
0: so it's a campaign for what students needs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's student-led. The students have a lot to do with it. A lot of organizing goes into it, and students, they, they do a lot.
3: Do you guys both have chapters at your school? And yes. Could you, could you tell us which schools you go to, what grade you're in, um, and then how you got involved in PSEA?
1: Well, I go to South Philadelphia High. Yes, we do have chapters. And I got involved because my school was closed last year. Bach Technical High School.
2: Um, I'm a senior. I go to Benjamin Franklin High School and I got involved with the that chapter when I found out that Governor Corbett had um I guess the budget was really low in the district and it kinda You know it was all over the news and everything i found out that like 26 schools were being closed and so my english teacher referred me to this because i really am like interested in a lot of political like educational things
3: okay so you guys have both been involved this school year you started in september
2: Mm, i started last year in uh, about maybe february maybe march i'm not sure okay i started this year
3: and your high school closed last year. So you came to South Philly High this fall, and you heard about the, the chapter at your school? Yes. And But you were interested in getting involved because of what had happened at your school? Yes. Okay. Um, could you talk a little bit about your role at PSU, the kind of work that PSU does as a whole, and then your role in that, and maybe some current campaigns right now that you guys are working on?
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um... Right now, PSU. Well, right now, my role in PSU we're members, so we um we have a lot to do with like the planning and stuff. You know, getting getting the news out. I guess marketing, letting people know that there was going on. And right now, a lot of our campaigns are basically have to do a lot with the school to prison pipeline. So we want to. Our campaign is nonviolent schools. So campaign with, for nonviolence. Campaign for nonviolence, and so. Right now, we're trying to raise awareness about the about the school district. So, like, having more police in school, we want people to know that that doesn't help schools. We want people to know that more suspensions lead to a lot of bad things in the long run.
1: Making a push-out rate bigger.
2: Yeah, a lot of—it it increases the drop rate, and, you know, eventually these students are more likely to have a lot to do with, like, the justice system. So, court involvement, too. Mm-hmm. Is
1: there anything you'd like to add, Devin? No, she so basically summed it up. Like I also played a similar—I played a similar role to what Kelly—what Kelly Kelly just said.
4: Um,
5: you just mentioned the term pushout rate. Can you can you explain what what that's about? Uh,
1: basically, for the pushout rate, it would be like students. Basically, finding ways for students to get, like, put out of schools.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, expulsions, sending them to alternative schools.
2: Suspensions. Just, yeah,
1: suspensions, just for nonsense. Like, what are what are the steps that you are taking to help students succeed if you're putting them in alternative schools and disciplinary schools?
0: Not really doing nothing, you just help. you're just making them want to drop out of school
6: mm-hmm.
0: And that seems like an important difference when we say that people drop out, it's putting the the emphasis on the student like the student is doing something, the student's making a choice and doing something wrong. When we talk about push out, it sounds more like you know so these these structures of oppression are are moving the students out of the educational opportunities that they should have. And into this alternative system, which is the criminal legal system, and where they don't have the kind of opportunities, and where actually they're, you know, literally confined, as well as confined in the opportunities that they have.
2: Yeah, um, a lot of the things going on in schools now, like adding more police and making um, low tolerance type things, uh, is really criminalizing students when for. Mm. Minor things, mm-hmm. so like a student can be suspended or put out for like just improper school. uniforms mm-hmm. when they haven't really done anything that's worthy of like criminalized.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, so. like for instance, three weeks ago I got suspended for mm-hmm. uniform violation just for not going to in house suspension. That's not really a reason to suspend a person. So it was like you now I got suspended. First time in my life, and it's weird. Cause I'm a 12th grader. First suspension, and I get suspended for uniform violation.
3: How long were you suspended for?
0: I got suspended for a day. Mm. Yeah, but you know that that's one of the things of you know once you're in the once you're in their their sort of sites, um they often try to go after you again. Right, because they identify you as a, as a problem that they yeah. need to solve, and, and the solution to it is, is to
1: is eventually into expulsion or sent to disciplinary schools.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the, the ways in which we are uncreative about solving all kinds of problems in our communities. One thing that I think the tries to recognize is that we do have problems in our communities. There's violence in our communities, and I think that the the effort to create nonviolent schools is a, a good example of addressing that, saying that, you know, there are problems in our schools, but we need to be solving them with a student's first orientation, rather than solving them by employing these techniques borrowed from the criminal legal system
2: yeah um it kind of gives the students it's for the student it's it's pretty it's i'm not sure how to phrase it but by taking a student's first involvement in something like a suspension and ma- basing it off of like not coming to un not coming to school in proper uniform is
1: blowing it out of proportion
2: yeah and it's making students feel as if they're criminals were things that they shouldn't that shouldn't be taken as seriously. Mm-hmm.
3: Could you talk about some of the alternatives that you'd like to see um, to suspension and to expulsion, um, and some of the alternatives that you guys talk about at PSU?
1: Uh, like some of the alternatives that we mainly talk about is like counseling and restorative practices.
3: Mm-hmm. Could you explain what restorative practices are?
2: Well, restorative practices are it's actually at my school, at Benjamin Franklin High School. Our teacher, uh, our campaign for it, we it, we won it for our school last year. And for restorative practices, it's more of talking. And so, like, instead of if a student was to do something that they probably shouldn't have done, instead of suspending them and telling them it was wrong, it would be like a, a meeting. So, where they would be canceled and talked to, and it wouldn't be as if they were we they wouldn't be treated as if they were criminals just for that violation they would be i guess pushed into a more correct path
3: mm-hmm. and part of solving the problem right yes
2: yeah, it's, it's it's more likely issue. to solve the problem if you were to treat the student like an actual, actual person and not a criminal and talk them through it and You know, you never know what the student is going through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keeping them in school and letting them know what happened was wrong and maybe it shouldn't happen again instead of pushing them out because it was wrong is a more, it's a better option.
3: So I was also part of the Campaign for Nonviolent Schools a few years ago and restorative justice and practices was something that we talked about a lot. Um, And it's exciting to hear that Ben Franklin won that um, at that school. So I know that a big a big part of restorative practices is um, like trying to repair the harm and involving people in that process. And if you just expel someone or suspend someone, um, they're, not, they're not necessarily understanding um, the harm that was caused or what the issue was, and it's important to involve people in, in really discussing that and, and solving that issue. So could you, can you talk about how things have changed at Ben Franklin now that you have that policy?
2: Yeah, Um. at my school, pretty much you You can get suspended for things like fighting and stuff. Th- those are things that, you know, shouldn't really happen in school, but I think we um are still on more of a path to correcting it because a lot of it, it was just employed there. So we have to, you know, bring it up to teachers, let the teachers know what restorative practices is, and teach people about it first so that, you know, in the long run, they understand that you can't just put students out. And so we're working towards making it more of a, okay. a restorative practice environment because usually they would rely on suspensions. Mm-hmm. And now, like, there's, uh, I th- think the suspension rate is dropping, but we have a lot more students from different schools, so that makes it even tougher to work things out. But I think we're eventually going to make it, I guess, better.
0: One thing about restorative practices um, is that, is that it takes work and yeah. it takes a, a staff. You're talking about counseling. Um, that's hard when you don't have any counselors. And um, so staffing is, is a huge thing and that's about some very basic um, you know, resources being made available to the school district and by the school district. We have a radio piece here that deals specifically with Ben Franklin School and with staffing. It's about um, nurses at bang franklin school and we're going to play it for you and we're going to when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about where this radio piece comes from because y'all have a radio show right at psu at psu, PSU. on blast radio okay <laughs> well this is a segment from on blast radio on the nursing staff at benjamin Fra- at benjamin franklin and we're going to listen to it we're going to come back talk about it and talk about on blast and all the other work that psu does My name is Jeremy Oliver. There are lots
4: of problems concerning the Philadelphia School District nurses. There are fewer school nurses in Philadelphia schools. I interview a fellow student from Benjamin Franklin High School to see how they feel about it. How do you feel about the high school nurse?
2: Um, I feel that she can be in our school more because she's there about three days a week. What if we get sick on a day that she's not there? Like, who do we go to? Do we got to go straight to the hospital.
4: This is a major problem for students who have medical issues. Some of these problems that are more common are asthma, diabetes, or even hypoglycemia. If there isn't a nurse, the student could have a fatal reaction to one of these conditions. And this isn't just a problem for students with medical needs. There's also the need for medical aid. Like, for example, cuts, burns, or sprained limbs. If a student has one of these problems, it's the nurse's job to take care of the student until the paramedics arrive. If there isn't a nurse, who else in the school can provide the aid we need? How would you think we can change that?
2: That comes every day, from Monday through Friday, and she's really trying to help us out when we're sick or we need something and not just tell us, oh, just put our head down, we'll be okay.
4: At the Benjamin Franklin chapter of the Philadelphia Student Union, we are trying to change this. If we can change this, it will help a lot of students, and nurses will get to keep their jobs. I'm Jeremy Oliverio from the Philadelphia Student Union, signing off.
0: So that was from On Blast. Um, do y'all want to talk a little bit about what On Blast is? <clears throat>
2: Okay. Um, at PSU, we have a radio show called On Blast, and what it does is we take the campaigns that we work on currently and the news we find out about the school district and everything, and we, we build, like, I guess, segments about it. So students take their experiences from school and anywhere else that they see and anything else they see in the school district, and they create their own pieces where they talk about these things.
0: And are y'all both involved with On Blast, or is just is this another part of PSU that you just know about because you hear it? No, we are both a part of it.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty new, but um, Devin's been there for a while.
0: Because y'all seem pretty comfortable on the radio, and I was wondering, <laughs> you know, mostly we get guests in here, they're sweating, <laughs> and it's not just because the heat is on in WPV. <laughs> um, oh, it, it is on. Um, cuz y- y'all are y'all are very comfortable. Where do you make the uh the segments that you produce for On Blast? Well, um some people
1: make them at our office, which is at 42nd and Chestnut. Some some of us like me, I made mine and at my school. So, I mainly schools and in our office.
3: Were you trained on how to use um like a recorder like how do you when you go to your school uh, what what kind of technology do you use
1: a uh, recorder
2: Yeah, like um, audio recorder yes at, at PSU Beth <laughs> one of our staff people kind of taught us how to use the recorders and stuff
3: <laughs> do you guys also edit the pieces yes yourself or, or with Beth or what is that like
1: we edited ourselves Beth she gives us like he gives us
3: help, pointers,
1: pointers and guidance on, on, how, on how it will go.
3: What was your radio piece on, Devin?
1: I did my radio piece on the teacher layoffs.
3: This fall you did yes. that? Okay. Cool. I want to hear it. So, do you guys have so, a regular time that you are on the radio, or is it a podcast? How does it work? how How do you listen? If we wanted to listen to the PSU Radio, or some of our listeners wanted to go and, and hear your pieces, how would they do it? Because we
0: do, and they do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 we make ours eventually after we're done it. We put it on a podcast. On a podcast, if you wanted to find it, you would go on iTunes on iTunes. And um,
3: is there a link to it on your website? PC's yes. Yep. Okay. And our right.
1: website is Philly StudentUnion dot org.
2: Great.
0: Check it out. So that's a that that's your first um piece of ho- homework for all you listeners. <laughs> Go to Philly Student dot org you said? Philly, F- F- philly, student philly student student dot org and check out on blast. Um we were also going to talk about the the staffing there, and um, it's interesting that your radio piece was specifically on layoffs. Um, I was wondering, not you know, it sounds like you just got to a new school this year, Devin, and there's been some um, some changes in, in practices at Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. How have y'all um, experienced school this year with the the sort of um, the shifts and the changes in staffing and the changes in, in schools and the closings. Um, how has is, how is school been this year? And um, how is that affecting PSU's work?
2: Okay. Um, at my school, we got about 300 new students. When just last year we got restorative practices, and these students are new to our school. They don't feel like they should be there. They want to be at their own schools. So it's pretty hard to, like, implement these type of things with a group of students who aren't really, you know, they aren't satisfied with it. But I feel like the school is on, on its way to, I feel like my school is on its way to kind of correcting things more. So with, with so many new students and so little staff, like counselors and stuff, we can't really do our best with restorative practices or, you know, make it work as well as it could if we had more resources and things like that. hmm
0: uh-huh. And and just for perspective, how big is the Philly Student Union chapter at your school? Like how many people are involved?
2: Um, about 15.
0: Okay.
1: And at, my, at South Philly, we most black students, because there's about 900 of us, that shifted over there. And most of us are still getting used to being there. Getting used to the criteria at that mm-hmm. school, so it's it's still hard for us getting used to the students and the staff there.
0: But. And you said you're a senior, so you're just moving over there, right? Yes, for the last year. Huh? Mm-hmm. We're gonna play another segment from On Blast here, and um, and then we're gonna come back and and talk about that and address some of the other problems that um, go back to specifically talking about campaigns that PSU is undertaking and, uh, and, and why you're here on this show um, with Decarcerate. We're going to make some links between the way that education is being defunded in this state and the way new prisons are being built and the Department of Corrections just can't seem to get enough money every year.
5: reporting for On Blast about the school-to-prison pipeline. Every morning, thousands of people rise and enter a depressing, rough-bricked building equipped with metal detectors. Security guards and armed policemen patrol the hallways. Buzz-in doors and metal grates on windows keep the occupants inside. And demanding disciplinarians make sure that all the rules are followed. The following hours are passed in small rooms, where the windows have bars and personal freedoms are limited. Yes, I'm talking about public schools. It is a reality today that many public schools look and feel like prison. This is just one piece of the school-to-prison pipeline. The school-to-prison pipeline is the colloquial term for the ways that districts push students out of school and create prison-like environments inside buildings often leading young people to interactions with the criminal justice system. Around the nation, especially in large urban districts like Philadelphia, poor young people are being groomed by their schools and states to enter the school-to-prison pipeline. The amount of juveniles being imprisoned is going steadily upwards. This is especially true in the state of Pennsylvania, where Governor Tom Corbett has made it clear that he values the prison system over the education system. Josh Glenn is an activist at the Youth Arts Self-Empowerment Project, also known as YASP. YASP provides support, art, and empowerment to young people who are being tried as adults.
7: I'm also a member of Decarcerate PA, and uh, we're a coalition of organizations and individuals that are working in mass incarceration in Pennsylvania. And I also work with CNS Campaign for Nonviolent Schools.
5: Josh explains that the pipeline in Pennsylvania is severe, but I know in
7: Pennsylvania, you know what I mean like they they don't give young people what they are supposed to get, and they cut even they cut five hundred and fifty million from basic education within the last two years, and they are and the, but they're spending six hundred and eighty five million to build three new prisons and expand our old ones. You know what I mean that's a big problem, and it's crazy that they can find the funds to build prisons, but they can't find the funds to you know empower and uh build up the education system.
5: In 2012, Tom Corbett slashed state funding for education by $550 million, while allocating $685 million to build three new prisons at Greaterford. However, such spending seems economically counterintuitive to me. After all, to educate a student for 12 years costs roughly $150,000, whereas imprisoning a person for 10 years costs $330,000. So why would the state sacrifice $180,000 per person for what seems like little reward? Or wait, is there a reward? Josh Glenn elaborates.
7: As as far as like the prison system how it's designed, you know, they really do profit more because a lot of the the legislators and a lot of the people that make these policies, they have private stocks in prisons. So, you know, when they lock all of these people up, they get paid off of it, you know what I mean? And I think I really believe that's how and that's why they're spending more money on prisons to build prisons so they can fill them and get more money off of
5: them. So if the state government in Pennsylvania is diverting funds from education by the hundreds of millions of dollars so that legislators themselves can profit, why isn't there more outrage? Groups such as Decarcerate PA, the Campaign for Nonviolent Schools, and YASP have made it perfectly clear that they will not tolerate the governor's budget. However, for the everyday student or citizen, there's less outrage over the state education budget than I think there should be. And there is a need for outrage, because if the funds diverted from education are actually used to build prisons, then the school-to-prison pipeline will definitely get worse. Josh Glenn puts it simply.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if, if we let them build these prisons, they're going to fill the prison.
5: Right now in Philadelphia, as well as the rest of Pennsylvania, significant media coverage is being devoted to the closing of public schools. Although closing schools is not a solution to the district's debt problem, there are deeper roots to this issue. Philadelphia, as well as other Pennsylvania districts, receives 36% of their annual budget from the state, the second-worst percentage in the United States. Instead of funding school districts based on need, the state has turned their backs on struggling schools. So if the state is doing such a poor job of funding schools statewide, then where is the outrage? Why aren't more people clamoring for funding? Josh elaborates.
7: We allow it to happen. I think, I think it's happening because we allow it to happen. And uh, People in poor and low-income communities, you know, they don't believe that they can do anything. And we have to reach out to people in our communities. A lot of people don't know that, you know, we, we decide who gets in office. We decide what happens. We decide what policies are passed, you know.
5: So in order to stop the criminalization of young people and close the pipeline, We need more people to be aware. We need more people to be aware of the fact that the state is okay with cutting public education funding so that they can construct prisons. We need more people to be aware that the state is willing to criminalize children and teenagers in order to fill the prisons. We need more people to be aware that individuals in power are profiting through mass incarceration. But most of all, We need more people to be aware that they can change the broken system that is ruining the lives in so many communities. I stand by what Decarcerate PA and other groups believe. I believe that the decrease of education funds and the increase of prison funds is obscene and demonstrates the apathy of the state towards the students. Also, the slashing of funds from the education budget on the state level has created a manufactured fiscal crisis on the district level. There is no fiscal crisis. There is only the misappropriation of state funds, diverting them from schools into prisons. That angers me. But what angers me the most is that legislators hold stocks in prisons and profit from the incarceration of the people. The only solace that I find in this entire situation is that there are groups who are organizing and ready to fight against the pipeline. And believe me, There are groups out there, YASP, PSU, and Decarcerate PA, who are willing to fight, but we need people to make it work. These groups work with formerly incarcerated people and community members to try to stop the flow of students into prisons. And that's a better solution than a $685 million prison complex. We need everyone who is invested in the future of the nation to come and organize for the continued education of our children. Then we will be able to close the pipeline that for too long has gushed unabated with juvenile blood. This is Julian for On Blast, the radio show of the Philadelphia Student Union. That was great.
0: Well, there you have it. That didn't leave a whole lot for us to say, huh? <laughs> Um, one thing that that was brought up there, we had um, Josh Glenn on there, uh, who, who worked for a long time with um, with Decarcerate and YASP, and he was talking about um, about trying juveniles as adults, and that is just one of the many ways uh, that the that the school to prison pipeline ensures that people um, who are you know, maybe in for their first time, or maybe you know have have a, a a record starting from a very young age of the type of criminalized suspensions that we were talking about earlier. It ensures that they end up in this other system um, because it it treats them like adults and gives them adults uh, adult punishments and adult sentences and the kind of stigma that goes with an adult record. That's um, hard to get rid of, hard to get um, expunged and hard to get dealt with when you're looking for work or housing or anything else. So I was wondering um, if y'all have any, any experience um, with PSU working with YASP or working against some of these, um, these direct policies or if you have any personal experience of just watching people um, struggle with some of these issues. In your schools and your communities.
2: Okay, um, I'm not exactly sure what YASP is, but I know that um, PSU's campaigns do work to um, make it so that students aren't criminalized in schools. Mm-hmm. So, like, if student with more police, if p- the police were moved from schools, and you know, it wasn't made such as such a um, big deal for minor things. Mm -hmm. students wouldn't have to face like arrests in schools so you know if with the campaign that PSU has they want to take the emphasis off of police in schools and make Mm -hmm. it more so like administrators and other staff like teachers and counselors are more involved in the student's life other than police officers
0: Mm -hmm. the funding situation seems like a smaller version of what we're dealing with on a state level I mean you have uh, this f- supposed budget shortfall, and yet the resources that are available are being made to reinforce the criminalization and the sort of uh, the the police state structure of this that's going on in the schools. similarly when you know as on a state level, there's a budget shortfall, they say, and then education as a whole e- even the, these like these policing aspects of it are being underfunded and yet they can still find plenty of money to raise the budget of the Department of Corrections. We marched to Harrisburg last, last spring, early summer, demanding a people's budget, not a prison budget, and all we got was an increase in the Department of Corrections budget that was actually greater than the one proposed in Corbett's terrible budget proposition for last year. The legislature actually gave him more than what he asked for, or what Wetzel, John, John Wetzel, the Secretary of Corrections, asked for. We're going to get...
3: You, I now. mean, you can also see how what you guys are talking about in your campaigns at PSU, um, the budget is having a direct impact on that in a lot of ways. So, for instance, you're saying that you're working on restorative justice and all of these practices that I think is getting more and more attention, and there's been studies to prove that they're successful, but if there's not enough staff in schools, then it's not going to happen, right? And yeah. so. You can you can talk about it. It can it can be something that seems to be a priority, or people seem to be on the same board. But you need to have staff capacity to be able to work through things. And I know that you know the first day of school this year, people were really concerned about safety, and um, because so many different. Kids from diff- students from different areas were going to new schools and, and crossing different territories, and so parents were concerned about safety. A lot of people were talking about safety, and so there was a huge police presence at each school the first day, but schools weren't starting with counselors or nurses, um, and you can just see right there, like, how broken of a priority that is and how misguided that is.
2: Yeah, it seems as if the district is creating a problem that they want to fix. So they're closing schools and you're packing students into more, into less schools. So you know the there's overcrowded schools. There's too many students in one class, and so they employ more police officers when they could have just kept the schools open instead of you know adding more police officers. They could have saved that and just you know had the students in their own prospective schools mm-hmm. and not had to employ so many cops and police to take care of overcrowded schools mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and not employ enough nurses to deal with the, yeah. the students who get pushed around by those cops I know <laughs> yeah. I spent I, I, I was working um, and out of a, of a public school up in uh, Mount Airy uh, during the last school year and you know I was, I was in that school maybe one or two days a week running a, a program that was unrelated to the actual school, just use the space. And I watched so many people get thrown up against walls. I, was, you know, I watched a whole crew of people be pepper sprayed, myself included, while we were just waiting for the elevator. I mean, that's what you need nurses for, unfortunately, is to deal with what, you're, you know, with what the students are going through, the hands of the, the, the police in the school sometimes. I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the the organizing that you do, how PSU, how, like how a chapter gets started, um, and how y'all meet and how y'all stay organized and work out your next campaign or work out what campaigns you're going to be part of. Um, you said you had an office, so there is a you know there is a, a central location. Yes. But um, what what's the organization structure of PSU and how could people get involved or um, tell people about it or, or spread the word and make sure that, um, that your organization continues to grow and thrive and get more and more powerful every year.
2: Okay, so um, in our process of like starting these campaigns, first we identify the problem. So we ask students and we survey students and stuff, everyone that's in our chapter and I knew everyone that comes to the meetings and stuff. We find out what problems they face in school, what, what we want to change and what we want to see the district make changes for. And then we kind of take from that and we build a campaign around it where we may make signs and stuff. We may hand out flyers. We may base a whole meeting on that where we tell students about what's going on. We say the changes that we want to make, and we come up with an idea to make those changes. And then, you know, we may present those changes to the districts or to whatever schools we're trying to make that change in, like principals and everything, and the students themselves. And then we hope that a good result comes of it.
0: And you don't just hope. Because I've yeah, seen, I've marched I've at PSU it. too. <laughs> we work for it,
2: but, you know, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. So how,
3: how often do you meet as a whole? So I know that you meet... As an organization? Yeah, so you meet as a chapter. How often, would you say, at your school? Uh,
2: Every week. One, yeah, once, once, once a, a week.
3: week. And then how often does everyone come together, or do you go to the main office in West Philly? Main
1: office, or we'll go to... Another office, which is YU Safe Youth United for Change, mm-hmm. which is on Burks.
2: Yeah, um, we have a Saturday. We had there's Saturday meeting at the office, and then there's other meetings for things that, like, if we're planning a campaign or anything, we'll have more meetings throughout the week.
3: So you you come together with the chapters from other schools. Yes. And, and for instance, if people want to be a part of the radio, it's a group of students from diff- from various schools that are yeah. part of that. Okay.
0: Meetings, more meetings. I'm starting to remind them of Decarcerate. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: We're going to play another sec- uh, segment here from On Blast um, for your enjoyment and edification. You're listening to 88.1 WPEB-FM Philadelphia, your West Philly community radio station. This is Decarcerate Radio, and we have the Philly Student Union here with us today talking about the school-of-prison pipeline and the criminalization of youth in our communities.
8: Hi, this is Tiana Stokes with On Blast, reporting on Youth Oppression. Ever heard of Youth Oppression? Well, let me fill you in. Imagine a tall, young black woman. Her style could be described as a little artsy-fartsy, a little mama Africa, with a book bag protruding from her back. That's me, Tiana, age 18, a high school senior in Philly. Now imagine that one evening, my friends and I walk into a pizza place in hopes of food and friendly banter. But instead, we are greeted with a half-hearted smile, and what do you need? The woman at the counter is rude. She appears to be annoyed by the sight of our overstuffed backpacks and book-filled arms. But I know that she is only annoyed by the fact that a group of students just stepped into her shop. We sense this animosity and we grow annoyed as we watch latecomers get their food before us. We complain and feel cheated once we receive our simple orders late and poorly prepared. I'm not coming back here, we promise one another. Others watch us leave as our backpacks wiggle behind us. They judge
6: us. Ah, too many kids up in here. They know better than to act like that. Troublemakers.
0: Obnoxious.
6: Ghetto-ass teenagers.
8: But little do they know that we were the ones most affected by the incident. What I just shared with you is a prime example of youth oppression, a vicious cycle that lives on through the stereotype that all young people are wild and irrational. Some business owners believe that they can improve their businesses by banishing us from their establishments. No students or children allowed without an adult. But young people are their bread and butter. We drive the economy, but unfortunately, rather than being treated as customers, we are treated like potential criminals, hoodlums, or public nuisances. Imagine if there were signs in front of convenience stores that said, no more than two black people in a store at once. Or if there were signs that said, no women allowed without being accompanied by a man. Think about it. All of these restrictions are archaic and ridiculous. Sadly, it's not all their fault. This idea is instilled in all of us. Adults are made to believe that young people are bad. This is the cycle of oppression, and together we can break the cycle. But first, we have to understand it. The cycle of oppression all starts with mistreatment. That's step one. A group is treated poorly through disrespect, discrimination, and or abuse. Step two. The oppressed group reacts to this mistreatment. They act out as a way to cope with such mistreatment. Hmm, sounds familiar? Step three. The entire group is then stereotyped based upon the reaction of a few individuals. Step four, society then accepts these generalizations as truth. They create rules and laws based on a stereotype, and this often leads back to further mistreatment, bringing us all the way back to step one. So remember those signs I was talking about earlier? Yeah, that's step four. But awareness of this cycle can improve our relationship young people can gain a better sense of how to handle tough situations where they feel discriminated. Adults can gain perspective on how such stereotyping can be harmful to our community. Adults, please understand. Just because I'm young in Philadelphia does not make me a ghetto-ass teenager. Take the time to realize that you all need us as much as we need you. We learn from one another. This oppressive behavior creates a division between us, rather than uniting us. Be patient and provide us with guidance, but don't assume that we're all nothing but trouble. How can you expect something to grow when it is only given shade? Want to know how I handle the situation? Kill them with kindness. I mean, stuff it down their throats. Remain calm. And when that owner greets you with, so are you going to order or what? Whip out your biggest grin and politely decline. Oh, And make sure you let your book bag wiggle proudly behind you as you leave the establishment. This is Tiana Stokes with On Blast.
3: That was awesome.
0: Welcome back. You're (laughs) listening to 88.1 WPEB-FM Philadelphia, uh, your West Philly community radio station. That was another segment from On Blast. And, Liana, did you want to kick it off?
3: Yeah, sure. So I, I have a question for you guys. Um, when I was in high school, I was involved in um, activism on, on my school, my campus, my school, um, and I was involved in organizing. And for me, it um, it had a really huge impact on me, and I feel like it, it affirmed some of my feelings and suspicions, and it connected me to a group of people who were feeling something similar, and it laid a, a framework for what I was experiencing. And so a lot of that for me was... Was racism um, and classism, and I'm wondering if being involved in PSU um, has has done something similar for you. If you if you go out into the world and you notice things differently now, or if you have language to um, apply to something that you have experienced before that you thought maybe it was just you being paranoid or um, or you were alone, and now you realize that you're joined with a, by a community who also experienced this. Um, I'm just wondering if you've had any of those
2: those feelings okay um before PSU I kind of just thought you know the students in my school were just bad I didn't think that the things that the bad things that the districts were kind of implementing or kind of imposing on students was affecting them like like I realize now that I'm with PSU so I know that having more cops in school is more cops in school does not help the students it doesn't you know make us any safer than we would be if they had more teachers instead because the cops can't really do anything but arrest the students so mm-hmm. if the teachers were there to if the teachers were there to kind of talk the students into you know i guess something a better option and stuff like that instead of mm-hmm. having the cops there to arrest them it would kind of have the i guess a better outcome and um i kind of realized that now that i'm with PSU and i've done all of these campaigns and stuff. That the students aren't bad; they just have a bad environment going around, a, mm-hmm. that uh, a bad environment around them. Mm-hmm. So you know, you never know where a student comes from outside of school, and so when they come to school, it doesn't help to make them out to be a bad person.
1: Down.
2: Yeah. So I realize now that the students just need some students just need more help, and as students like me, even if I am a good student and everything. Everyone's not going to have be under the same circumstances, so we shouldn't treat them bad because of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Devin? Same, same here for me. Now I look at staff, even down to security, I look look at them different. Like, it's like you haven't really had much training, so and you don't know what's going on with the youth the youth life you don't know you don't know what's going on so it's it's like maybe something was going on that day so you you treating us the way that we do you treating us like we're nothing it's like who can we come to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, me being a PSU it's making me it's making me look it's I've changed completely
4: like now now it's like I've come and start going going instead of uh, me waiting for
1: people to come to me I've been going to people talking to them to see if they have similar problems like I do and just talking to them having just conversations just making, making them feel like they're not alone
6: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: mm-hmm. that was
0: it mm-hmm. thank you um we're gonna do a, a, one of our regular segments, Voices from the Inside, uh, where we read statements um, written by people currently incarcerated, especially currently incarcerated in Pennsylvania, um, that are sent to us. And y'all have agreed to, to help us out today by um, reading our first and longer statement. It's from Terry Harper. Um, and, and you're gonna be sharing duty here, so trading off. This is all one, one statement. Um, we appreciate the help with this segment because we really think that it's important to uh, To bring these voices to the community and make sure that they're heard
2: The effects of incarceration on families life inside outside things ignored and overlooked by Terry Harper
1: Incarceration brings about many changes those changes affect individuals community. Communities, families, and the system as a whole, what's not seasonal, sensationalized sensationalized are the ways families are affected, and it's time for us to shed some light on that darkness.
2: I've been incarcerated for over 21 years, and there is seemingly no end in sight, but I've been blessed to have family support. My sentence requires a lot of practice. A a lot of patience, understanding, and sacrifice. So, no, not everyone is consistently present, but someone has always been around. Through communication and willingness to change, we have learned to agree, to disagree, and respect each other's point of view. We've also come to identify and accept our reality, which hasn't come easily. So, we stay on relatively even playing fields through that communication.
1: In In too many instances... I'm besieged by being out of sight, therefore out of mind, and it's been a major task to express the feelings that come with that. There's been screaming and crying and a whole lot of writing, and hope has been central to our victories. Those on the outside have a clear vision of life on the inside, so they are often inadvertently cavalier cavalier about things I tend to to hold there. They don't realize that the smallest of gestures make the greatest impact on how I feel and on what I'm able to accomplish.
2: It's up to us on the inside to be clear on all the restrictions and Regulations that govern the hows and winds and where's that could ultimately cause our ties of kinship to be severed. We should convey information about telephone usage, mail, money, visits, and the like, so that no one who supports is ever in the dark. That way, they are never in a position to ignore something vital to our stability or survival nor are they likely to dare play any concerns expressed rela- re- relevant to our safety or our happiness when i was home i took the lead where a lot of, where a lot of was concerned but in here i'm forced to sit in the back seat and hope to be remembered on special days applauded for achievements encouraged if i lose for focus and to be included in all of the in all of, in all things family Though it happens now, it didn't come to be a standard without my feeling totally alone too often, or without certain members of my family putting others on notice. You see it really is collective it it really is a collective effort. I've been a party on both sides of the fight. I think what changes the most or needs to is how we deal with each other as we grow or struggle individually, holding on to the person we are that our family recognizes. Yet is encouraged by the ur- urgency, emergency, emergency of the new version of.
0: Thank you so much for helping us with that. I think that that's that statement by Terry Harper um, is a wonderful um, reminder that prison is a and the criminal legal system in general, the way that we p- punish people. Um, is an attempt to break our communities apart and make people feel isolated and alone and dehumanized. And just, you know, in people's everyday lives, people all across the city and the state, and the country for that matter, are, are fighting this on the ground in the way that they try and just maintain communication with their loved ones that are inside, in the way that they try and remember by writing... Down their thoughts and feelings, um, that they are human, that they are loved, and they are part of a bigger whole. And that that bigger whole is watching and paying attention and making sure that um, that they get out eventually, that they get home safely, and that the unjust laws that put them in there um, are overturned, and other people don't have to suffer the same way. We've got only a little bit of time left on our show today, and. We usually take this time to mention um, some upcoming events. Um, We do have upcoming events this week. Uh, Most importantly, we have a general meeting with Decarcerate this Monday at the Institute for Community Justice um, down on 12th Street, it's the seventh floor. And um, we encourage anybody interested in joining Decarcerate or just hearing more about what we do to come to that general meeting. Get involved, figure out about the committee structure and the best way that you can join the struggle to end mass incarceration in Pennsylvania. We also um, have an upcoming event that's a little bit further out that I wanted to mention specifically because we have PSU in here today. Um, We're having a people's hearing. I know we've mentioned this on past shows, but it's worth mentioning again because it's in Harrisburg, and it's on February 5th. And we have a couple of buses that are actually going out there. And you can go on our website, decarceratepa.info, and you can register for those buses for free and come with us to Harrisburg on Wednesday, February 5th. PSU is one of our co sponsors, and I know a bunch of students are going to be out there with us. And the format of this action is, uh, is a hearing, and it's a hearing specifically, it's a hearing in the Rotunda of the Capitol. And it's a hearing by the people to address the lack of hearings by the Senate and House Judiciary Committees investigating the pretty appalling lack of transparency and actually lack of preparedness that went into the um, the studies, supposed studies, um, justifying the construction of Phoenix 1 and 2, the two new prisons that they're building for $400, $450 million out in Montgomery County at the site of SCI Greaterford. We've talked about this on the show before. Um, It's important that people continue to pay attention to it because the type of thing that we found when we went through this whole year and a half long right to no request process, Um, The type of things that we found about the Department of Corrections and the way that they have been misleading people and lying to people to justify this huge new expenditure at the same time that they're defunding schools like we were just talking about today on the show, that type of thing is, is the type of thing that people need to know and people need to respond to. And when we find out this kind of thing and nobody cares, it reinforces the idea um, that politicians and um, political figures, appointed figures like John Wetzel, it reinforces the idea that they have that they can get away with anything. That even if people knew what they were doing, they still wouldn't care enough to be involved. So we're really happy to have a bunch of great co-sponsors, PSU, Youth United for Change, as mentioned, er, mentioned earlier, and, and we're, we're excited to be able to tie this in. Corbett's going to be giving his budget address, um, the the day before, and I know the PSU has gone out in the past and and protested the type of appalling priorities that he's Gee. displayed in past budget addresses, but we're expecting more of the same this year, and we're going to be there the day after with the people's hearing to put them under the microscope of public opinion and to try and and um, let people know about. Um, the particular issue that we're dealing with and all of these related issues um, that that are going to be brought up in his budget address the day before so I'd like to give one more opportunity for y'all to say any closing thoughts we really appreciate you being in here with us today and more than that we appreciate the work that PSU does um, advocating for an education system that puts students first so I wanted to give you all the opportunity to say you know anything else um, any closing thoughts that you want, or um, or just to um, to talk a little bit about um, how people could maybe be involved in PSU or find out more information if they're interested.
1: We have we have an assembly meeting next next Saturday, February first. Uh, it's at Edison High School, so if you'd like to come, it's from three. It starts
0: at noon.
1: It it starts at noon. See what it is. You should you should come out.
0: Come see what it see what it is. See what you learn. And and anybody can come to that. You don't have to be part of a chapter or a school that has a chapter, right? You can right.
2: right. Yeah, anyone can come. Um, we're going to be learning about what's going on in the school district lately. Um, we're going to be updating people and making plans to um change things. So really, if you come out, you will learn. So. Make sure you're there.
0: Wonderful. And, and tell people again the time that they can come out there and the time and the place. It starts, it starts at, noon. at noon.
2: At Edison High School.
0: At Edison High School. And which day? Saturday, February 1st. Saturday, February 1st. So there you have it, folks. Your calendar for the week. On Monday, you're going to go to the Decarcerate General Assembly (laughs) meeting, or general meeting. On Tuesday, as always, you're going to go to Books Through Bars, the Packing Cafe at the A-Space, and then you're going to clear your calendar for Saturday, February 1st at noon at Thomas Edison High School to go join up with PSU, get involved with their struggle, which, as we know, is also our struggle here at Decarcerate PA to make a state without mass incarceration and with educational opportunities for all of our youth so that they can realize their awesome potential you've been listening to 88.1 wpebfm philadelphia your west philly community station radio station we are decarcerate radio and we're here every saturday from noon till one till next week
1: and thanks for listening
0: yeah and thanks for Mm -hmm. coming on
6: Mr. Man, me not like the way you turn, and your tongue are too long, you know, man. I meditate, you meditate, but the same sounds so long. Well, hear me, man. Me not preach, me not teach. Me just assure you, oh me see. Because the truth, well, sweet, just like an African beat. Like when you see where you're coming from. Like when you're back but you reach. Some of not care if they want vex, or even on like you're perplexed. Never show sure you we missing, Mr. Man You just sit down and fall up like a cabbage Like say you got no understanding, got no knowledge Like say you still no not realize, say, at just the other day We chuck off the choking chains of bondage That in spite of the hatred and disadvantage Though we slip up and stumble upon the wheel We still reach far down Freedom Street Still mindful of the mind we upon the wheel. I so beg you, Mr. Man, please come out of your shell. We can't dwell in the class forever, you know, my brother. Out that the sun, is shine bright. Please come out of the tall of the dark night. It's too bigger than me, are you, you know? Time can't steal, but it can heal. So shake the dew from out your head, wipe the cupboard from your face. We got enough work for you, but we do reach Mount Zion yet. Yes, we put on a solid foundation for true. And one and two well, I get true for true. But we still not building new Jerusalem yet. The time gon' come again, you can bet. When we're gon march on again, you hear my friend. Mobilize a woman and a friend them again. Even the picture them are going in again. For freedom is not no ideology. Freedom is a human necessity. It can't depend upon no one somebody up To each and every one of it. Me not nah preach, me not nah teach. Me just assure you, oh, me see. Become the truth, well, sweet, just like an African beat. Like when you see where you're coming from, like when you sight which part you reach. So, me don't no care if you want vex. or if you one like you're perplexed. Me just assure you, me, me see, Mr. Man.